0: This is episode 56 of The Chick in Charge. Today's special guest is recognized as the leading entrepreneurship and investment ecosystem builder in the world. Rodney Sampson makes it his mission to ensure that socially disadvantaged communities have equitable access to new multi-generational wealth creation opportunities to reduce poverty and the racial wealth gap everywhere. Throughout his 20-year career, Sampson has co-founded companies, raising more than $20 million in venture capital, creating hundreds of jobs. In 2013, he co-founded Opportunity Hub, or OHUB, as a follow-up to the highly successful Kingonomics book release. Today, Sampson is focused on the definitive global future of work, opportunity, and wealth-creating platform by ensuring that everyone everywhere has early exposure to tech, startup, and venture, a non-resident senior fellow in the Metropolitan Policy Program at the Brookings Institute in Washington, D.C., and a professor of entrepreneurship at Morehouse College, please welcome to The Chicken Charge, Rodney Sampson.
1: Welcome to The Chicken Charge. All-in-One Security CEO Mary Parker celebrates the success of women in the world of business and in life. Mary's own humble beginnings in rural Mississippi led her to become one of the only African-American females running a multi-million dollar security firm. She is definitely the Chick-in-Charge. Here now is Mary Parker. Hey everybody,
2: this is Sarah Smith and I am the co-host of the Chick-in-Charge podcast with Mary Parker, CEO of All-in-One Security and founder of the Mary Parker Foundation and author of the autobiography, The Chick-in-Charge, and host of The Chick-in-Charge podcast. Good morning, Mary. How are you? Good (laughs) morning, Sarah.
1: I'm fantastic after that remarkable introduction. I love introducing you
2: because there's a lot to work with.
1: Wow, and we're so, we're so happy you're a part of this uh, well, we the have Chicken fun. Charge podcast. We have fun. Yeah, this is our early morning show that we are declared to have fun every day. Darn and chicken. it's not often, <laughs> Rodney, that we have... Uh, individuals on the show that I know as well as you. Right. Uh, I've been tracking you, I know, for over 10 years, and your progress has just been absolutely remarkable. And so with that, we're not going to take any more introductory time because we want the audience to know as much about you, but become very familiar with the name Rodney Sampson Opportunity Hub Morehouse Entrepreneur- Entrepreneurial Center, all amazing. and so, so many, many, many more things. So, Rodney, we're going to turn this over to you, and you just go.
3: Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here. You know, I grew up in Southwest Atlanta. I don't know if you if you knew that. Uh-huh. And so, to you know, to be here having this conversation uh, in SWATs, as we affectionately referred uh, to it back in the day, uh, is, is incredible. So... Um, you know, I'm a native of Atlanta and, uh, you know, I'll just take the entrepreneurial path. I, um, my first introduction to entrepreneurship was actually through my creative expression as a musician. Wow. And so I started playing at local Atlanta churches. This was in high school and I just wanted to pursue my passion and protect, you know, pro. pro- Pro perfect, rather, my craft.
1: Sure. And
3: uh, then I started getting paid for it. And I was like, wait, (laughs) I can get paid, you know, to do this? And so I think that's when I first started unlocking that, you know, entrepreneurial DNA um, inside of me, which I believe everyone, you know, everyone has. And so um, I always say with all of the things that, you know, I work on or have been afforded the opportunity to be a part of, I'm an entrepreneur first um and everything Love else. That. Love F. that. Love yeah. that. Yeah.
1: So all the other things are just fueling who you
3: are, really. A- absolutely. Uh, I mean, the fundamental thesis, you know, of an entrepreneur is someone who can identify a problem, uh, someone who can solve it, and someone who can get, you know, someone to pay for it. Um if, and you're
1: all of those <laughs> yeah.
3: if, if you 're not getting paid for it it 's just like a hobby right yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and and you know that 's what we that 's what you know when we 're going through this entrepreneurial exercise and determining if people really have what they need to be an entrepreneur, one of the first things is what are you passionate about right, and can you turn that passion into paying for what you want to do because there 's a huge difference in hobbies and You know, passions and being an entrepreneur. So talk just a little bit about some of those distinctions as you have gone from where you started to where you are now.
3: Absolutely. You know, I think passion is a great starting point. I just, in my experience of literally having, you know, encountered thousands of entrepreneurs at all levels of their business, you know, over my 20-year career, um, you know, first as that. Entrepreneur founder, and then is that investor, and now it's like that ecosystem builder. We start with passion, and I think the the difference maker is for those who are willing to not just go through the process but understand the process right you know the more I look at entrepreneurship and this really career path this is really a life path, I think it evolves beyond. Uh, just a career, but like this this life we chose or we're chosen for, however you want to look at it, requires us to understand like the process or almost like the science of entrepreneurship. You know, like if you just think about your respective entrepreneurial career and, you know, they often say it takes 10,000 hours, you know, to be really good, you know, at something or to be considered an expert. But what happens when you have 100,000 hours. Absolutely. You know, when you've actually put in the work and you've learned, you know, the respective area you're like passionate about. So I meet a lot of people who are passionate about the problem, but they're not passionate about, about the, the so- process and the solution. And the solution.
1: Yeah, because they stop too early. We talked about this with both of our guests before you, uh, and that is having the stick to itness, having the commitment to go through it, because the processes are between the idea and the implementation. Absolutely. And I liked what you said about the lessons and the spirit of entrepreneurship. We don't stop. Right. We build on the lessons, and we're not just necessarily concentrated in one particular industry. Yes. And that's the big difference that I'm finding people are missing. Yes. They think what they do, the technical aspect, makes them an entrepreneur. Talk a little bit about the difference in the two.
3: Sure. You know, when I when I look at entrepreneurs, even those that I may um, consider uh, advising or mentoring or even investing in, you know, I call it the four T's. You know, I expect you to have your technical acumen. Like, you come to the table having the technical wherewithal. And I'm, I'm not just talking, you know, software engineering right, right. or... Um, those type of skills but just being that expert right you have to show up you know ready to do the work number Mm -hmm. one but you know technical um, is like the first level of vetting for me you know then there's team I really don't think you should go alone you know one could put a thousand two could put 10,000 mm-hmm. three could put 100,000 four could put a million i mean if i follow the mm-hmm. you know the, the logic principle <laughs> right you know so i think you know not going along even if you are that solo founder having that core team um, where you hold each other accountable is incredible you know split lo- split loading the work um, iron sharpens iron um, that strength you know Uh, A partnership in a business is really like a marriage, right? It's a long game. You don't get in for a couple years and like, okay, cool, let's see how this goes. You've
1: got to go through that trial period. (laughs) It's a long (laughs)
3: game. So, you know, the first level is that technical acumen. The second one is that team. The third is like that early traction. You know, how do you get that traction? Depending on the type of business, it might be getting that first pilot. It might even be a non-paid pilot you know, getting someone to let you literally experiment inside of their existing supply chain or their Mm -hmm. company to say, if I could do this, can I make money for you or can I save money for you? And so getting that pilot um, or that first paid customer Or in some cases, it might be getting those users or members or subscribers. You know, a lot of people are launching subscription services, and everyone's got a box, you know. Right, right. I might just create a box service where you get boxes. (laughs) You know, it's a box, and you get five different boxes. But anyway, can you get that first customer? Can you get that second one? You know, or can you talk to 100 people that are not in your yes circle? You know, and say, hey, if I build this or if I provide this service, will you pay for it? What will you pay? But the fourth and most important, uh, I think, dimension or level amongst, you know, technical acumen, team, and traction is trust. You Huge. know, when, you know, I guess the young people say there are levels to this. And so as you achieve different levels, what we begin to understand is regardless of what product or service you are providing – People want to do business with you. They want to invest in you. And they want to be around you because they can trust you, right? And for some of us who've been at this, you know, for a while and have hindsight, you know, we, we have enough data to be able to kind of get a gut feeling, but I think we also have good discernment and intuition. And you can just tell when that person has that trust factor or that authenticity. And I don't I don't know if you can learn that, I think you, you you live it and then you just, it's, it has to be a part of who you are, who you choose to be but if you study the, the most successful or accomplished entrepreneurs on the planet, just throughout antiquity someone had to trust them even when they couldn't see you know, particularly in the lens of technology mm-hmm. a lot of people you know, say well they didn't believe in like uh, Uber could be successful, or Airbnb, you know, could be successful. A lot of these new business models that literally have created so much new wealth with no reliance on pre-existing mm-hmm. wealth, which I think is important. The era that we're in is you literally can create multi-generational wealth without coming from multi-generational wealth. There was a time in history that wealth begat wealth, right? Right. But the fact that you can go from nothing to something, you know, poverty to prosperity you know, definitely shows the times that we're in, but someone had to trust for you to go build something that was unknown. And I think that's what's critically important is trust.
1: You you, you bet. And that is my, and and I'm there. That's what I deal with when I'm making certain decisions about partners and investments and all. Do I trust the people I'm dealing with? If I can get to the level of trusting the people I'm dealing with, Then I'm good. Everything else, you know, you're going to take care of this. We'll work this out. But that is so important. And something else you said about um, generational wealth building, that was a concept years ago. And I speak a lot about my family on the show because I want to encourage people as they're listening to us that it doesn't always matter where you started. It's important where you are and where you're going to get to the finish line. So my family, parents, together, we cannot document eighth grade education between the two of them. Nine children, eight living. Mom was 36 years old, widowed, with seven minors when dad left. We were, and I don't use the term poor, because love covered, and we never noticed that we were poor. Absolutely. But what we know now is that it was poverty. And my sister and I were talking the other day, and she said, do you realize that God changed our family with one generation? My mother's offsprings, no education, she has, all the kids have at least a BS degree, and we have a sister working on a doctorate. Every grandchild has graduated with a degree. We're all financially somewhat independent, one generation. One
3: generation.
1: So we had to take some of those principles that we were talking about as the offsprings and apply them. And in doing so, we believe we can do anything we want. Right. One, we have resources. Two, we've grown in a community where they trust us. And three, we know how to use the people and resources to get to that next level. And that's where you are, Rodney. And I so appreciate all that you're doing in the community. And you have no idea how happy I am to know that you're Southwest Atlanta as well. Did you go to Douglas? I did. I thought so. We've had <laughs> so this I conversation. It, yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so as a result of that, and we're going to talk <laughs> offline because we're getting ready to do something intentionally okay. but miraculously in Southwest Atlanta wow. on Camberton Road. You are a part of this. Wow. And so we'll share, if you have time after we finish today, I would like to even go a step further with you. So um, as we, so here's my question, because I don't see much of Morehouse in the Southwest community. Under your leadership, how do you plan to utilize Morehouse Entrepreneurial Program to bring value by including this, bringing more value into the community? And remember, I'm speaking of Southwest Atlanta.
2: Teresa, I have a confession to make. I stopped wearing deodorant. Uh, yeah, I kind of knew. You did not. Oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. But honestly, I'd rather go oh naturel than suffer the overpowering aroma of most deodorants. And I got really worried about the effects of aluminum and parabens, especially on women. And the natural ones I've tried stink—pun intended. You should try Myro. Your Ro?
4: What's Ro stand for? No, Roland? No, no. M Y R O. Myro my row is the name of my deodorant. It's an all-natural blend of essential oils that release over time to keep you fresh. I bet it smells awful. Not at all. Remember when you complimented the perfume I was wearing? Well, I wasn't. It was Myro. It's also made with barley powder that keeps me dry. No aluminum, no parabens. No toxic anything. Myro's ingredients are clinically tested for safety. You choose your scent and the color of your case, which by the way, is refillable and reduces plastic waste by 50% over drugstore deodorants. Well, I think I may have found a better way to go au naturel. Do they have different scents? Oh yeah, Myro has incredible mood-inspiring scents. I try a different one with each delivery, right to my door, I might add delivery so I don't have to hunt high and low for it? Nope. Just go to mymyro.com slash chicken charge and use the promo code chicken charge for 50% off your first order. Get started for just five bucks. So I just go to mymyro.com
2: slash chicken charge. Use chicken charge as a promo code and get 50% off and start for just five bucks. I'm going to try my role right now. Mary and I would appreciate
4: it. Oh,
2: Hey, everybody, this is Sarah Smith of the Chicken Charge for Gusto. All women who own their own businesses are chicks in charge. I love it. But add in raising a family and, you know, trying to have a life, it gets pretty hectic. Like many of my fellow female business owners, I know the core of my business. But what many of us struggle with are things like payroll and benefits and HR. Enter Gusto. Really a godsend for small businesses like mine. Gusto features fast and easy to run payroll with W-2s and 1099s. It automatically files and pays all payroll taxes, which is amazing all by itself. There are tons of benefit plans to choose from and you can store all employee documents online. Now you're thinking, I still have to figure this out on my own. But the real beauty of Gusto is that you have direct access to certified HR professionals. That is huge. And they know their stuff. So you get easy payroll processing, benefits, and excellent support all in one place. And that place is Gusto. Chicken Charge listeners get three months free once they run their first payroll. So go to gusto.com slash chicken charge, be the expert in your business and let Gusto be your payroll and HR expert. Go to gusto.com slash chicken charge and get three months free.
3: So, I joined the faculty a little over a year ago. Congratulations. And thank yeah. you. We're yeah. glad you're <laughs> there, we're <right> there. <laughs> and, you know, I learned a lot um, about what was already being done, which I think a lot of people just didn't know. And I think a lot of times as outsiders, we, you know, it's just so much going on at the Atlanta University Center. And you really don't hear about what's going on with the students, what's going on with research. Um, and we, you know, uh, technology transfer, small business development. And I really have, you know, to salute Tiffany Bussey, who was the founding director mm-hmm. of the Morehouse College Entrepreneurship Center over 15 years ago. I
1: know, I remember that.
3: And it's one of the only self-sustaining organizations or entities on the campus. Wow, it's self-sustaining, amazing. Yeah. And she's been able to crack into something quite amazing as it relates to, and I didn't know this, that our federal government had, through certain policy, legislation, and agencies, opportunities for major corporations to empower SME, small and medium enterprises, mm-hmm. And do that by partnering with HBCUs. A lot of HBCUs don't know that they could apply to work with um, these mentor-protege opportunities with major primes that service the federal government that have a fiduciary by law to empower SMEs. And so usually these large corporations don't have the technical um, wherewithal or time to build up SMEs or their suppliers, because when you come to the table, they're just ready to do business, right? They're running a business. So they outsource that, and HBCUs can apply to be a part of the mental protege program. And So Tiffany Bussey has really been a pioneer there. And so the work we're doing by establishing an Opportunity Hub lab um, on campus is really bringing that startup approach, that lean methodology That new and unique way to start businesses or to grow existing businesses. So I wanted to provide that that framework. So, you know, we do these monthly pop up events on campus for the entire Atlanta University AUC. We have over four hundred members that are part of it uh, to date, and. We keep office hours. I got to get you over next semester to you know do some office hours with the students, and they come in. Would love to. I've done it their before. Ideas, yes. You know, um, and so in terms of expanding that, well, one of the things that OHub and Morehouse Entrepreneurship Center are looking at doing now is really being intentional about work in Southwest Atlanta. And so we are in the early stages of working uh, with Al Nash uh, at Fulton County EDC, uh, Marty Tarpo, Marva, you know, mm-hmm. the, the economic development experts on actually bringing tech entrepreneurship and this venture kind of model. Because um, if you look at Atlanta, everyone's talking about Atlanta as such a tech hub, right? And But the density of where all of the activity is happening, of course, is in Midtown. Absolutely. It's in Buckhead, and then it's up in Alpharetta. There's literally not, no activity, you know, um, south of I-20, um, east or west, right?
1: <laughs> I'm so excited I could stand up right about <laughs> yeah. now because uh, the research that I did— uh, that led me to Southwest Atlanta. Sure. Campbellton Road. Right. It's all intentional. Yes. All intentional. And in doing so, Rodney, what you're talking about, the lack of access right. to these opportunities are north of I-20. Right. Someone said to me, I can't believe you're going in Southwest Atlanta. And I go, oh, why not? Exactly. Everyone else has forgotten us. Yeah. But the difference with our community will be made here in Southwest. People don't have the wherewithals to go north for everything we need. And so with that, we'll talk. (laughs) But I want to know how the Entrepreneurial Center is engaging the community outside of the AU Center. Absolutely.
3: So a couple of years ago, we partnered with JP Morgan Chase, to launch a program called Ascend Twenty Twenty, it's a part of a national network of what we call pre-accelerators or entrepreneurial support programs, and the geographic thesis was literally out, you know, outside of downtown Midtown yeah. and and Alpharetta, and so going into just wrapping its second year and now going into its third year, over seventy companies. Mostly from founders, uh, mostly tech, not all, um, that live, you know where you know where we are now have had the opportunity to come to Morehouse and come to some of the other leading tech hubs in town to literally go through a program to take their idea from just what we call the ideation stage right, to, to the, the product stage, mm-hmm. ready to sell, ready to, ready to go to market. And so uh, I suspect that we will look to, you know, expand that um, in, in the coming years. We, that program has been one of the leading programs in the entire cohort you know, of programs, whether the one in Seattle or Oakland um, or Washington, D.C. So Atlanta is leading. Now, you know, that's very, very nascent. There's so much more um, to do. And I think a part of it is, even when I look at, you know, our Opportunity Hub methodology, where it starts with exposure, then there's training, then there's getting in the ecosystem, then getting access to the resources. People tend to want to jump right to the resource. Right, that's right. Right? And so, again, they want to skip the process. You can't skip the process. When you yeah. skip, it's like it's like the board game. You know, you're going you're gonna to try to skip, you're always going to get sent stopped, back. Get right.
1: stopped, yes. <laughs> and to that end, you know, uh, you're familiar with my program, Facts University. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I remember
3: when you were coming you know, up with the program. You
1: know, yes. absolutely. Well, we're almost there, okay. Rodney. You're going to be really proud of this. And what we're doing with ours is making sure they can't move right. until they get completed with the first step because once they get that the first step is so fundamental to going on and on so that at the time they finish the program they understand they go back to understanding that running a business is more than just the technical industry they're in but it's acquiring the four T's that you mentioned earlier and the first was technical team traction and trust we have to get them to the trust stage and that is the fourth stage, or it's included in the fourth, the fourth stage of our, uh, of our program. Yeah. So we're gonna talk more with you about that and how we can now, I believe we're ready now. We now have something that we can join forces with you Absolutely. and present to the community. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, this is so exciting. What else do you wanna tell us today, Rodney?
3: <laughs> well, these are very exciting times you know, for Opportunity Hub, we are approaching our seventh year in business, you know, and just thinking back, it's literally been a whirlwind of uh, just opportunity, right, and growth and lessons. Uh, We launched Opportunity Hub right uh, after we launched Kingonomics. And so we had really these two platforms. Kingonomics was like the thesis of this movement. And then Opportunity Hub was the manifestation of it. And we, we went through several iterations. We grew very fast. You know, we grew to three campuses, like 200 Peachtree and then West Marietta and then the H.J. Russell Absolutely. joint venture.
1: I remember all those stages, yeah. Rodney. And
3: then opening up the, the hub um, near Georgia Tech, Tech as well. And so we're literally taking that seven-year playbook and we're packaging it up and taking it to other cities. Wow. Very good. Um, very, very good. We're really excited that. about that. We're starting to... Work with economic development authorities um, in other cities that are reaching out to us. Very cool. And so, uh, I'm really excited about where OHub is is going. We are actually in the process of restructuring the business into three uh, separate entities. Uh, of I course, can see that the for profit um, we. Uh, recently got a letter of determination for our foundation so we have a 50 uh, and a sister 501c3 and then we formalize our fund of funds for investment and we are uh, launching two funds actually simultaneously uh, one called 100 black angels where we are attracting 100 high net worth individuals Uh, to invest in this new venture fund. That's really a a model for ecosystem building. So Mm -hmm. we're really excited about that. And we're launching our first Opportunity Zone Fund, uh, if you've been studying the Opportunity Zone um, legislation. Right. Um, You know, I I think about, you know, seven years ago when I was running around town with my, you know, (laughs) OHUB t-shirt on everywhere and I was showing up and You know, if it was an invitation to speak in Atlanta, you know, I would waive my fee, call my speakers bureau and say, I'm going to do it. You know, and I was really just casting vision when people were like looking at the startup world like, oh, it's so cute, you know, oh, that's nice. And then, you know, when some of our startups were acquired for millions of dollars or, you know, are worth almost a billion dollars, people are like, oh, wait, there's something here now. So I think we've laid the groundwork. And have really brought some credibility to the national scene as it relates to minorities in in tech or minorities minorities you know in in the investment world. Uh, we have a, a a guide coming out this summer that I'm incredibly excited about. We are collaborating with the Federal Reserve Bank. Which carries a lot of credibility, you know, in terms of American um, macro and ma- microeconomic policy, and so the title of the guide is building inclusive entrepreneurial ecosystems wow. for communities of color, and we're really um, uh, excited about this collaboration. Um, in addition, I accepted a, uh, a position at the Brookings Institute. Oh, yeah, um, that is In huge. Washington, D.C. And <laughs> yeah. so I'm hanging out with all the top policy ones. Absolutely. You know. uh, former Federal Reserve Chairman Bernard Bernanke is a fellow, you know. And so, um, like they say, there are levels to it. And just when you think like you're at the top of your game, you know, when you can exercise some humility, you can move to another network wow. and so, like, let team, that iron
1: sharpen iron. Yeah. Yep.
3: So, um, I've seen, you know, just throughout my career how I like pivot to levels, but how it's almost like it's, it may feel like it's a pivot down before there's a pivot up. You know, but like that's a very good You're not, good point. You're not you jumping bet. mountain to mountain. It looks good in the animated videos, but really what happens is you climb one mountain, but to get to the next one, you really have to come down the other side. And people talk about going up, but they don't talk about coming down. No, right, no. And they only never. see you at the top of the mountain because that's what they're paying attention that's to. That's correct. Right? And so it's like, I feel like we've been just going up these different mountains, and we've gotten used to the process. So it's very interesting that, like, I know it's starting to happen when, like, doors that were once o- easily open start closing. And then it's like, okay, I'm used to it by now. I used to, like, get upset, and I talked to my wife, like, why is this door closing, or why is this opportunity closing? And she would say, that means something else is open, yeah, right? Yeah. And so now got that lesson. I am in tune to it because I have enough experience in hindsight. I've got, like, 20 years to know when doors start closing, others I expect the others to to start opening. And one thing I think like once you achieve certain levels of not even success, I think, but significance. I think we focus too much on success and not really on the significance of the work we do. You you know you're moving into kind of a dimension of significance when you can say no to good stuff. Wow. You know, cuz at a certain level, all you get is good deals, right? But when you can say no to good deals because you're focused on what's greater, right? And I think that's really what I'm so excited about now. It's like the the even some of the stuff that we're moving into is not, you know, that we haven't even fathomed. It's not, it's like seems unbelievable, right? And so uh, we just, you know, not to be spooky and spiritual and philosophical, so I'll come back to the technical, but I think that context is important. You know, we just signed an MOU to stand up our first opportunity hub in Kansas City. I'm really excited about going to Kansas City. Absolutely. Um, looks like we're going to have a 40,000 square foot hub there. Wonderful. Um, <laughs> wonderful. And so our Amazing. goal over the next 10 years is literally to stand up 100 of these hubs around the country. Um, and that's just the real estate, you know, the training, the coding boot camps, the entrepreneurship school, uh, we're now introducing a technical sales school, teaching, um, men and women how to sell software. It's just as important of being able to build software. Right, right. And so we're introducing that, um, so investing smart. more capital. And as we continue, you know, to get progress in the mainstream technology world, we now are suppliers. Um, to over 50 technology companies, everyone from Tesla to Instagram to Facebook, you know, all the popular apps you have on your phone. <laughs> I don't just have the apps downloaded. We are suppliers to those companies, so we're doing business with excellent, them. Excellent, so excellent, excellent. So we're really excited about, you know, the, f- the work we're doing with those mainstream tech companies, but we're even more excited about building these ecosystems up in our communities Because when you talk about automation and the future of work and machine learning, uh, I have something to show you as well. I was in York, Pennsylvania, and a company that I'm an advisor and investor in showed me these security robots that they had built. You know, it's so much. Every industry is being disrupted. And I just feel like our communities are not even aware or being exposed. And what really woke me up, and then I'll shut up, what woke me up was, you know, I'm an info junkie, right? And data, you know, data junkie. If, if I can't defend something with data and facts, I usually don't say right. it, right? And so I started looking at the, the wealth gap. You know, I always talk about the, the, the racial wealth gap in our Absolutely, country. I look yes. at the uh-huh. data, right? And so, you know, I started seeing data coming out that said by 2053, the median wealth of a black family would be zero. Now today it's about 17,000 So that means it would decrease to zero Hispanic wealth would go from 20,000 to zero by 2073 and I'm like Why is this declining where it should Be going Going up. up And then I started looking at you know, the data that suggested that two thirds of the existing jobs, a lot of the rudiment you know, like just the the basic jobs that seem like they're boring, that a robot could do, that automation was gonna replace two thirds of our workforce. And we don't really know what the jobs of the future would be because the robots haven't told us.
1: They have that's correct. That's (laughs) correct. And you know, Rodney, that is so true and I can I can see that happening. I worked at General Motors. Yes. When the robots began, when they first brought them in to replace the assembly lines. Exactly. The manufacturing processes. And even then, we're talking about 40 years ago. I didn't realize it was that long. Um, 30, 40 years ago, and I'm saying to people, yeah, I better go learn how to run these robots. Right. Because they're going to take jobs. One machine's going to replace 50 people. Exactly. You want to be one of the people to learn how to run the machine so that when everyone else goes out the door, you keep the machine going. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we're missing. But you have so helped me out today. I am saying we're just a rare breed. And I the you use the analogy of going up the mountain but never coming down. See, I'm aware of that. Sometimes you go up and you're not quite ready. You got to come back, get ready because of what's happening over here. Right. That is such a reality and thank you for sharing that listeners. You've been exposed today. If you don't take the information that's been provided by our first three speakers today and do something with it, you're doing yourselves injustice. I urge you, I encourage you to become familiar with the Morehouse Entrepreneurial Program and specifically Rodney Sampson. This man is no joke. Oh, and by the way, he's sporting the most graceful Gray beard. Salt and pepper beer today. I wish you could see him. Rodney, you're doing that well as well. Thank you. Keep up the good work, my man. Sure. And Absolutely. uh we're we're gonna get on the calendar today. Definitely. I've got to spend some time with you and, and we've got to exchange what we've got to show each other. Absolutely. We're gonna make a difference in this community.
3: I believe it. Thank yeah. You.
1: Yeah, Thank I believe you. it as well. Thank you so much for being here. I can't even recap all that Rodney said. I just I'm gonna go back and look over some of my copious notes. Keep him close to the the main line, and we're going to keep you informed. Thank you so much, Rodney, for being here, Sarah and Port, and thank you so much, our our listening audience. We have to go now. We're going to bring you some more stuff. This is Mary Parker, and I am The Chicken Charge. Subscribe to The Chicken Charge at thechickencharge.com. Get a free download of Mary Parker's Tips for Success, tips that'll make short work of some of today's most challenging issues facing female business owners. Thanks for listening to The Chicken Charge.